0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to CrossWires. First of all, just to sort of say, if the audio from my side sounds a little bit different, that's because it is. I'm currently visiting family, and I have my trusty Samsung Go mic with me, and uh, I've discovered that a sock makes a wonderful little windscreen for this microphone because it doesn't have a pop filter built into it like the Yeti I have at home does. So hopefully it still sounds really good. Um, We are also recording this entirely, well, I'm recording this entirely on an iPad, Um, so huge thank you to Squadcast for making that possible. It is still technically in beta, you know, it seems to work well when Virgin Media aren't having a little hissy fit with their network. Before we get into today's topic, which is a huge one, and I'm going to make no apologies at all that this is going to be a long episode, because when you've got a nearly two-hour keynote, even as we're trying to only pick out the bits that we find interesting, and we think are a discussion-worthy, there's still a lot to get through. But before we do that, you've probably seen on Twitter that we announced we have a new team member joining us. She is a wonderful Twitch streamer. We've been friends for a very long time. And in fact, she has been on the previous iteration of this show. Would you all kindly welcome to the show, Frasley.
1: Hello! It is so great to be back. Oh, I remember you and I met on a fireside um um slack channel we were talking yes. about about this, this this and that and then we just started like i think you he said hey do you want to come on my podcast I was like sure and all that and i always intended to have you on my podcast it just did not work out on the timing but now we're here so and i'm and i'm now part of the team and i'm just i'm so grateful and honored to be here so hello everybody hello um so
0: Frasley's joining us as part, as she said as part of the team, and you can expect all sorts of things. I've I don't know if I I, I don't know if I've lost my mind. I have given Frasley access to the blog. <laughs> has access to the, see that evil laugh. That evil laugh is just why why she's part of the team, folks. But it means that we're going to have great content coming from. Hopefully, not only myself but also Frasley. Frasley, before we get into WWDC. Dub Dub DC, as I realized, Apple actually call it on the keynote. What? I don't know if you picked that up. They actually refer to it no. as Dub Dub DC.
1: I like that because you call it, I like the little Dub Dub. You know, now if they ever were to, <laughs> I wonder if there's some. If if, if if what's the music they were playing? Was that Dub Step or Dub Dub oh, Step?
0: Dub Dub Step. Yeah, Dub Dub Step. Oh, uh, <laughs> see, this is this is what you can expect, folks. <laughs> Firstly, do you want to tell people? I, I emphasize a little. A little bit about yourself
1: oh yes so i i am i'm, I'm a variety streamer on twitch and i and I've, I've been doing um content creation since about 2006 um and i just I, I love making people smile and trying to just like make people laugh so that's it that's who i am
0: awesome well well from from my point of view welcome to the team oh well, thank you let's dive in so at the time of recording it is just over a week since WWDC. Um, and one of the things that we discussed when we were talking about this episode is, and you know, great advice from another friend of mine as well, is there's no way for us to be first out of a pulse with WWDC content. There are much bigger channels who can, who have a professional team who can turn around thoughts and, you know, reactions. What I wanted to do is take time, and I think we both did this. We've actually both watched bits of the keynote again. We've been looking at extra material. And what we're going to do is pick out our what we consider to be the big news, the things that interest us and the things that you know fit in with the CrossWire's values in terms of making a positive difference to technology. So, first question I want to ask you, Frasley, do you like this uh, presentation style of a WWDC events? I
1: I really do. And I like the fact that it was not tied to anybody who was there. I like that it, that anybody could watch it from anywhere in the world. I think that's a great change because it mm. brings accessibility. Both like we're still in a, in, in a COVID world. So I mean, it brings that, but also people again, who, who even without COVID can't, can't afford to drive or well, not just drive. Some people have to fly because I was like, it's, I think you, you can drive across the water, but yeah, I like this format. A lot better.
0: I love the production values. I love some of the things it enables them to do. So some of the little gimmicks, like just little things, like you know Craig going down the lift. There's no lift like that at Apple Park, and but it looks the, so realistic. It, I mean, yes and no. I, I know. The the, the other bit I loved, there was just one little gimmick that made me smile. One of the advantages of the virtual sets they have is that they can do clever little gimmicks. You know, like, as we said, the lift. But also that scene where Craig where her force one, Craig Federighi, is coming down, trying to get to the macOS stuff, and inadvertently goes into the wrong door and walks into one of the Apple Fitness studios it you wouldn't get that in a li- in a live presentation
1: and it also makes it engaging it makes it where you, where you, you where you don't get bored and no. what i love too is the amount of presenters we had in there i mean we we, we yes. had we we had women we 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 had men we we had we we had different individuals of color out there i mean they're just and we had someone in a wheelchair yes yeah. so many different people here and and it, it wasn't just all Wonder Bread no and
0: (laughs) i love that phrase and you know what the way they handed off it it felt like everyone had an equal part to play in that presentation it really did um the only thing i genuinely miss is the applause and the awe and the what the rocks have you done apple you know yeah
1: i think it was to their benefit to not do that because there yeah. are, even in this announcement, there were a few things that if you, if you go on Twitter, people are like, oh, um.
0: rocks. Yeah. I, <laughs> by the way, I've got to say, I love using the word rocks. Thank you very much, Alex Griswold and uh, yes. Alex and Melinda Griswold, the mum and dad of the internet.
1: I love it because it, then, I, then I can say it and,
0: and not offend people as much. Absolutely. Well, good. So from now on, the policy of CrossWires is to say Rocks. Yeah, uh, there was a few things in this keynote, and you know what? Let's start with some of the positives, because the first one is developers. Now, not Balmer-style developers, developers, developers. <laughs> I still love that still That's Love That's developers, developers, developers. Oh, let's not go there, but did someone not think to give that man a role on deodorant before he went on stage? <laughs> Actually, can we say one, one more thing about speaking of stage presence? Yes. Craig Frederigi in sportswear is one of the funniest things I've ever seen.
1: Yes! Oh and I I was actually kind of surprised it wasn't like some new Apple like sportswear that like will like track all of your metrics and then send back to Apple Health.
0: <laughs> that might be going a bit far. Um <laughs> Yeah, you're anyway, right. What dude. amazed me is when one of the numbers they gave. Thirty-four million Apple developers now i don't know if that's individual signed up to a program or if that's entities they haven't specified but that's a, even if that's individuals signed up to the developer program that's a lot of people
1: especially if if you, if you consider the population of different parts of, of the world i mean like like that's almost like a, an entire city of people in the united states are now a developer and that's actually pretty cool that like anybody can send it to be a developer it's just still that that fee because i have not try to be developer for many years so here we go so
0: here's an interesting one i mean you said that for cities that is mind-blowing considering that as of may the 13th 2022 the uk population is about 68 and a half million roughly well that means that there are now half as many developers as the entire population of the united kingdom that's mind-blowing it is you see i love numbers i love statistics and, and just putting things into context. So, should we start with the actual physical developer center? Because, wow,
1: that new, that new space. Yeah, m- my biggest complaint about that is the fact that, like, being able to access that, whether you're in a different country or even for, mm-hmm. different part, or part of the country. That's my only complaint with it, but it's still really cool. I just, I still worry that it, the parts of it is, is almost elitist. Well... They sort of addressed
0: that. And they said, look, you know, we recognize that not everyone can get here. I think, you know, Apple will, I think, will pay for developers to come down. Uh, That's I know good. That, I know they've done that in the past with, with a company I used to work for, um, which I won't name because privacy. But they have the online tech talks. Now, these, aren't, these were tech talks. These were, you know, online sessions on different parts of the developer ecosystem, different parts of the OSs, and different parts of the platform. But they also had one-to-one sessions as well. And if they're giving that attention to the remote side, then I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and they and they have added things, like uh, in addition to that, like the developer academies, where where they are creating area, places in different areas of the world for for, to, for developers to get training, to learn, and really giving people who may never have had, had, had access to it an opportunity to be like, hey, I like this. I'm good at this, and maybe Mm -hmm. creating some more developers. Well, two of the examples they
0: gave is, you know, their first sort of inclusivity and diversity program was was aimed for women um, founders within technology. Because, you know, let's be honest, computer science and development, ironically so, given some of the biggest names in computing are women, you know, yes. uh, I'm going to get a name. I think it's Sophie Turner. I'll have to double check that name. Um, Editors, no, it was not Sophie Turner; it was Sophie Wilson. My
1: sincere apologies.
0: But she was responsible for partly responsible for BBC, for BBC Micro. Of course, you've got Ada
1: Lovelace. And speaking of, of, of people who who have have done great great, great, great breakthroughs, they also this last year um, had, had some programmes for for black and. and Latino founders and some of the uh, best uh, founders of even video games. One of the people for Atari was was a black creator. Yeah. A black individual who helped bring about video games.
0: Yeah. We we forget, you know, and it's you know, look, as far as I'm concerned, and I think I speak for the entire CrossWires team here, there is no space for racism or for excluding anyone from a tech community. You know, it's a big challenge. And, you know, there's a lot of barriers for people to get through because of the way they might have been raised. And I think one of the biggest, and look, this is something that I know me and you are going to be talking about a lot, is how we behave online, how we treat each other. It's yes. a big deal. And to see Apple putting such a focus into people who, the phrase they used, and it's a phrase I love, is underrepresented people's.
1: Absolutely. Because. Because yeah, because like so, so so many people don't have a seat at the table. So many people don't have a seat at. And when I say this, I am not against anybody of, of this. It is it, dominated by a lot of white men, and yeah. and and it's time to to bring more seats to the table, bring more ideas, and, and bring more opportunities. Absolutely. Speaking of bringing people to
0: the table, though, it wasn't really a table; it was free chairs. Can we just call out the fact that? Um... This was the return of the talk show live, yes, at WWDC, and it was filmed and hosted in the Big Sur Theater
1: at the Developer Center. Oh, that's theater is so nice. I I will say I'm a little jealous because it would be cool to be on that stage presenting. I mean, I don't think I have John Gruber's like like charisma my front of a crowd because John Gruber is good at what he does, and I don't think I could be as oh. as calm as he was.
0: Well, it says something about the, the credibility that John brings to the table. That Apple have allowed him to record a show, not only on their campus, but with two of their senior figures, and and they have recorded with him for years
1: now. Yes, Talk Show Live has broken some big things. Like I remember when 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 we were when they were even, even, even talking about the idea of, of, of changing iTunes and moving iTunes away. Um, Talk Show Live had some things that 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 they, that they announced. A little ahead of time.
0: Yeah. And the guys are very honest. They will be honest and say, well, we can't talk about this. But it's kind of like, there's a wonderful clip I saw on YouTube Shorts of Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike in Stranger Things, um, doing an interview for uh, season four. And I think it was um, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon was interviewing him. and He was trying to get him to give answers. And Finn's just sat there, shaking his head or nodding his head. Like, d- very discreetly, because he's obviously not allowed to say yes or no. He's not allowed to confirm anything, but he's... And you get that sort of vibe from um, Jaws and from Her Force One. By the way, that is the best nickname ever. On the subject of Stranger Things, very quickly, because I know we've got a lot to cover, I want to ask yourself and the audience this question. If you're a Stranger Things fan, take a look at Dr. Brenner, played by Matthew Modine. And then think, does that look like a Craig Frederigi who's really had a hard life?
1: Oh my gosh! Does that mean that the entire I Stranger Thing Season One was in the within the Apple Campus um <laughs> uh, the whole or is Apple Campus filmed on, on the location of, of season one? Oh my gosh. I, that's not what I'm p- proposing at all. I'm just saying if
0: paths have been different Yeah you know Obviously, you know,
1: obviously, has had a difficult life. It is an alternate dimension. Oh my gosh! Oh,
0: there we go. Well, we're starting fan theories here. <laughs> okay, you know, Pop is actually Craig Frederigi. Yes. Um, okay, there you go. Before we get to, before we get into too much trouble for 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 that rumor, let's move on because we really do have a lot to talk about. Um, I want to say one final thing on the subject of developers. Well, Apple values its developers Mm -hmm. okay it's evident and even if and we know that apple have made mistakes with developers you know there's ongoing things about monopolies and are we going to talk about this in future episodes of course we are we're going to try and unpack all of this even with those disagreements apple cares about its developers and i think it would be foolish for anyone to say otherwise
1: absolutely because any of the things that we've seen are just some like policy issues and apple has to be very careful with the the, the president that they said i'm not trying to be like an apple fan girl but apple has to be very careful what they said so
0: well you've hit the nail on the head there not just what they say but what they do they are a public company they have to answer to st- stockholders it's it's a very difficult balancing act because they could make the wrong move and wipe billions off their value because doing the right thing might not be the right thing
1: absolutely there was i a video by um by 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 crazy kin of the computer clan about how mm. the, about mac clones and how apple did, did allowed mac clones for a while and it was hurting apple's bottom end and and apple might not have survived in the same way that they did if they had if, if they had continued to allow that to happen legally it's
0: why, it's why it's one of the first things that when Steve Jobs returned to Apple, it's one of the first things he killed off. It made perfect sense. Do you know what? It's a really nice transition because we're going to start into our big points. And I think, look, for me, there's so much to unpack from this event. I want to start with the M2 because wow. There's one thing before we go into that though. Can I just ask you genuinely question here firstly? Were you expecting something about the Mac Pro? at this event?
1: I sort of was, because to me, I, I've got a, one of the M1 Mac minis, and it is mm-hmm. pretty powerful. The only thing I would say is because of how uncustomizable it is, I could see Apple ha- might be taking some time for that, for the Mac Pro. That's a fair point, and I think that's true.
0: I think you're, you've hit the nail on the head. Now, because there's got to be more... I, the Mac Pro is not going to be running on an M2 stock. Let's talk some of the numbers. So, first of all, power consumption. So, the goal of Apple Silicon, certainly for the M series chips, is to have incredibly low power consumption and still put power, you know, put performance out on the table. And we only have to look at some of these numbers. Okay. These are, I want to get this right. And I'm sure people will be commenting if I get this wrong. So, on a ten compared with a ten core laptop chip, so this will be one of Intel's 12th gen chips, um, which is using the concept of um, performance and efficiency cores. Now they they have used that, but it's aiming it's basically getting 1.9 times the performance, or hitting repeat performance at that chip at only a quarter of the power,
1: which is incredible. Because I mean, if you if you look, if you look at what what's going on with the uh, Ukraine um, and, and and the gas prices, energy mm. is is is, is at a premium. Even the fact that like the weather right now is climate change and it, it it is a factor. And 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 like I I I think that the more we can reduce power consumption, and I mean and also like energy bills because yep. I've been, we're experiencing inflation here in the United States and. And I think that, that what they've been able to do with, with power consumption, I doubt it's on the same level of like a Raspberry Pi because those are pretty power. Well, you save that, but think about it. Just one, you're probably not
0: far off. A Raspberry Pi will use a lot less power. But the reason that Apple Silicon can use so much less power is because it is an ARM-based design. So it's a risk so sorry, reduced instruction set computing chip. There's one wonderful story from the creation of the ARM chips, because we've talked many times on the show about uh, about ARM. When the, they were developing the first ARM chip at Acorn, they had it all connected up, and they were, they were seeing no power draw from a chip. But it was sat there running instructions. They'd forgotten connect it, to connect it to a test bench, to a power supply. But because of the way it was designed and it was so power efficient, it was actually drawing power from components around it and was still happily sitting there churning out instructions. Now, obviously, you couldn't do that with a modern ARM chip, but that's why they're so power efficient. They've been designed from a core to be power efficient. Intel and AMD's offerings in desktop computing are wonderful. And they have a very particular purpose. They are, you know, they are still mainstream chips. Gamers love the performance that those chips can give. But we can also see how much further an M series chip can go. Now, some more numbers for people. And I, again, I love number numbers. 20 billion transistors on this chip. That's 25% more than the M1 had. 100 gigabytes a second of memory bandwidth. Which is fifty percent more than M1, and now with M2, any M2. Now, bear in mind, we are talking M2, not any variants of M2. Just straight M2 can do twenty-four gig of unified memory, which is just madness. Now, here we go. We've got some more numbers. Oh, oh sorry, on the on the twelve on the twelve-core laptop chip. By the way, it's worth noting that. It can hit ninety percent of the peak performance of that twelve core chip at a quarter of the power consumption again. That is Is it a quarter, is it a third? No, I think it's a fifth. I think it's a fifth. I got the number wrong. It's a fifth.
1: And I mean, think about the the, the fact of like how much more it's this is this saves batteries. That like you don't because yeah. we're we're at that place where like batteries with the size Apple wants the devices to be, um, mm-hmm batteries can only be so large and and there is, and and there's a point of of capacity and the fact that they can do this we're getting some amazing battery life i mean like on 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 one of their their next devices the the MacBook Air that's coming out 18 yeah. hours of video playback that's incredible it, it it truly is all day battery
0: life and more because you know video playback is actually quite draining on the system but it's actually something that's in BM 2 Is this whole video deco- decoding hardware? Because Apple can control everything from the CPU, uh, you know, because this is a whole system on a chip, so it's CPU GPU. Because they control everything, they can optimize so much in this thing. Look, you know, it's incredible the performance that they are getting from these things. Like, okay, yeah, let's talk about the MacBook Air because that is the first product they're putting the M2 into. Can I just say? How much I love the midnight color!
1: Oh, it's
0: gorgeous. I mean, so we got was it starlight, sort of normal gray, and then space gray and midnight. And what I love is that the MagSafe connector. so this thing has MagSafe
1: charging. Oh, I mean, I miss MagSafe because that has saved my. Back when I had a laptop with MagSafe, mm-hmm. that saved me so much time. I was when I'm at, I was at a, a, uh, at a at a conference, and somebody walks across. The floor holes on the cable, and my MacBook was fine, and it was just like, "Yeah, oh my gosh, because I had it hooked up to like my phone and stuff like that too. I mean, everything could have gone
0: flying in. Oh, the number of times I've seen corporate laptops destroyed because people have tripped over power cables, and it's not necessarily that the laptop gets pulled off a desk. It's but the power adapter itself and the, the you know the DC input, the, the barrel. Gets damaged. Yes. That's actually more common than a laptop coming off a table. And MagSafe solves that problem. And it's, it is great to see it back. It's also great that it is it is proprietary, but on the
1: other end of the cable is USB C. Which is nice because USB C, you only need so many cables now. And if Apple goes with their iPhone to USB C, <sighs> Again, that's a speculation. It will be
0: perfect. Well, it's maybe not speculation because of these EU regulations that are coming out, But you know, over sort of over there, where well, you no one can see this in the wall, I have a, my. I think I've talked about it before my U Green free uh, USB C input, one USB A's. That's currently powering this this whole setup that I've got here. And again, be able to have one power brick that can charge all of your devices and still provide provide MagSafe. It also means, of course, you can use battery banks. I remember back in the old MagSafe days, there was a company, and I've forgotten the name of the company now, so I do apologize to them, but they came out with a whole solution where you sort of had to splice MagSafe cables onto a DC jack.
1: And I I have to say that, like, that that MacBook Air, only I could afford it because... I I mean I I have got a trip coming up at some point that will, that would be good for that eighteen hour.
0: <laughs> it would. It would be very handy. Um but also I mean you mentioned price and affordability, it has gone up in price. Yeah. The base model of the new thirteen MacBook Air is eleven nine nine or ten nine nine for education, but eleven nine nine. Now they are keeping the original M one MacBook Air at the nine 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 price point. That's great. Look, and I I think just to make sure no one's going to sort of kick off about this, there is a global supply crisis. Things are more expensive, and that's Apple are having to, unfortunately, pass that on to us. It is frustrating. I'm sure Apple don't like it any more than we do, but that's maybe why they are keeping the old M1 uh, machine in the the mix. And you know what? That M1 machine is still great. There's nothing wrong with that M1 Air at all. But I really like this lineup. I love the design. It's not a wedge anymore. It is what is it, one, less than half an inch, and I love it, they didn't say fake. they said half an inch thin. Wow. I can't wait to see this in person. I am, um it's next month, so we're going to be available next month, which means unfortunately I won't, mm, it might be a while before I can go and see one in person. If I do, believe me, I will post to the Crosswise Twitter account, um, when I see one in person, I'll give some thoughts on that. You,
1: you know, somebody who, who doesn't live too far from an Apple store, so oh, and we might have to send you um, send you out absolutely, and, and, and I will go and I will post on the uh, on on the Twitter. There we go. We can actually we could do a YouTube short, maybe.
0: Yes, absolutely, and we can do something like that
1: on the price of it. And and again, yeah, I am going to speculate that some people who used to need the MacBook Pro, I used to use the MacBook Pro. I'm now on an mm. M1 Mac Mini. I think because of the M1 and M2 chips, there's a lot of things that the MacBook Air does. And unless you're fully pushing everything of it, almost that price point, the higher price point, gets you what you would have needed a MacBook Pro for.
0: Yes. And you know what? I think for a lot of casual users, even the, the original M1 uh, is still a really good machine, so that is the MacBook Air, very very cool device. Now we're not going to talk about macOS Ace Ventura. <laughs> I mean, do I have something in my APIs? <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, we're going to talk about macOS Ventura, but not yet. And look, just like Apple's keynote, and it was really interesting in in the um in the talk show hearing them explain why they still group by sort of platform because. I don't know if you picked this up. There's a lot of stuff that sort of crossed devices and cross platforms. And I think that's more and more what we're seeing from Apple. So we're going to talk actually about a feature that was really introduced as part of a macOS Ventura discussion, but the part we're focusing on, because it is cool, we're actually going to focus it on the iPad stage manager. It's basically a really cool new way to do windowing and grouping apps. I don't think we need to dis- describe what it is. We're putting a link to the video in the show notes. You know, go and watch the keynote if you've got time. You will probably see what it is already. We're going to talk about the bits that kind of matter to us. What do you think? Because you're you're in an interesting position. You are a you are a Windows and a Mac user and an iPad user.
1: Yes, and an iPhone user as well. Yeah, I would say that like. I do a lot of a lot of my like main work like, like my school work and and work on my Mac and I'm constantly on a one monitor setup because I have I have three three monitors and the other two are mm-hmm. are um for like the Windows machine that that, that I have. Yeah. So the fact that this is going to change how I do my one window setup for the Mac is it, it's is is phenomenal cuz I don't like using full screen. I'm using full screen right now so I can focus on the, on this note Mm. But I I don't like going into expose all the time, especially especially just to like go to a window. Like say I'm working yeah. on on a paper, I have my my word document, then I, and then I go back to a browser, then I go back to my to my notes. I come back here. Mm-hmm. I hate that that experience. It is awful because you lose where windows are. And what I, I love is you can have all the windows you need in that space because it's, yeah. it's it's for space. And then you can group them together or have them singular. And I, I love how stage managers going to change that for me. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of those things like people saying, oh, I want to be able to
0: hide that. Um, the stages, I guess, is the right term on the left. Well, when Crazy Ken uh, from a computer clan was doing his sort of in- installation s- sensation, as he calls it, he actually showed that off. He actually found, yeah, you, you can hide it. So it becomes quite like the dock, and I think a lot of people will like that. It does look really good. Apparently, there were plans for this in a much earlier version of macOS, all the way back, I think in like 2006, but they didn't get it to a point where they were ready to release. And that's a big thing that Apple do. Apple don't release anything unless they are 100% happy with it. I mean, look, you know, they've had some quality control issues over the last you know, few years, but... Generally, they like to make sure something is ready for the limelight. And that's a perfect example. This is coming to iPadOS. And I love this, but I'm also annoyed. Me I think too. a lot of people are. Yeah. It's an M1 iPad feature only, which means that only the fifth gen and 2021 iPad Pro or later can support this. And a lot of people have been saying, why? Well, there's some really good points about this, and I'm going to give credit to Rene Ritchie here because his video, which we will put in the show notes, really helped me understand this. I had a fairly decent grasp of this when watching the keynote, but he's just put it into context. Because this requires mat like hardware, as in it requires memory management, particularly virtual memory, which the AC of his chips don't have, it requires, and to do that virtual memory swap, you need really fast storage controllers and fast memory controllers which the M1's unified memory architecture brings to the game because they've got that ability to quickly move between storage and system memory. Because of that, it means that more apps can stay open at the same time because iOS, as it stands right now, is very aggressive at killing apps when it needs to. And whilst we have things like slide over and um, split screen uh, at the most, you're going to have three apps really running at once and visible on the screen. And we can see that. Now, what I do want to say is, although anyone on A-series iPads, which, you know, this includes a base iPad and anything prior to the M1 introduction, is not going to have this, we still have some really half-decent, you know, pretty decent multitasking stuff. It's not – It's this is the one area that you're not getting. And you know what? I'm actually – after realising how this all works and what it requires – I'm okay with that because doing it on something that didn't have that that virtual memory swap facility would probably give a horrible experience, and that's not something Apple want. They've learned that lesson because I seem to recall, and I think it was around the iOS 5 days, they put iOS 5 onto devices that just weren't capable of really running it, and users suffered. And uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was iOS 5. I, I genuinely think it was iOS 5. If I'm wrong, yell at me in the comments. The other factors to consider here, of course, is that as well as the ability to do the memory management, there's one big factor. The M1 enabled iPads have Thunderbolt 3 and USB 4 controllers, and they can handle external displays properly, know how to scale the resolutions and have more memory bandwidth, more, uh, sorry, more connectivity bandwidth. Two Powerhouse displays, but Frasley hearing all that, are you less grumpy about it? I think I am. I'm dis.
1: I've, I'm.
0: I'm jealous. I think is more of a word.
1: Absolutely. I, at first, I was going to say rocks me and all that for having an a an, a an, an series iPad, but now it makes sense. And, and knowing why, I, I'm a little bit more realistic as, as I get older. And I'm like, it makes sense because yeah. I, and I don't blame Apple for not wanting wanting to to not not wanting not wanting to give a bad experience and not wanting to spend the development time yeah. to try and emulate it because technology moves moves and absolutely for now it'll be a feature I can't use but there'll be a day I'll have I'll have have an a, probably like an M eighty five iPad I mean I'll have one of the new iPads and then and, and I'll have that feature so it it's. It's one of those, I see it now, I won't get to play for with it for a little while, but hey, it's okay. Yeah,
0: so speaking of device support, I didn't put this into the plan, and we're going to come on to a really much more important story next, which you're, you're going to take the lead on firstly, because it's something I know is very, very important to you. But before we do that, let's just talk really quickly about devices supported by iOS 16, iPadOS 16, uh, watchOS 9, and... um uh macOS Ventura. So for the iPhones, the cutoff point is now the second generation SE and the iPhone eight and newer. They will support iOS 16. I don't know if Apple are going to do the same thing that they did before, where they issued security updates but they did this for iOS 14. That hasn't been announced. They didn't make any sort of news about that. So PSA, if you're on an iPhone 7 or older or a first-gen iPhone SE, it is time to start considering an upgrade. And you know what? Refurbed iPhone 8s, great devices, honestly. And the new iPhone SE, great. If you can justify the cost of an iPhone SE, I really recommend that as a product. And then iPads, from what I can tell, basically it's now the fifth-generation iPad and newer. All iPad Pro models are still supported, and I think it is the fifth... I think fifth-generation Mini and later. I'm, I need to double-check my Mini, but we'll put a link to all of this in, in the show notes. And then for the Mac, pretty much, it's going back to 2017 for most things, a- apart from, obviously, the Mac Pro, because that needs the 2019 Mac Pro. The Mac Mini needs the 2018, and I think the MacBook Pro is 2018 or newer as well.
1: Which makes sense. And as somebody who used to have a 2017 MacBook Pro, that thing... Was limited in some of its power compared to yeah. the, the twenty eighteen because it was the first one to add in that that the touch bar, things. Oh yes, you're right.
0: Now it's worth, of course, noting that this that on the Mac side it is a little bit different to iOS in terms of security updates. Typically speaking, I don't think this has ever been set in stone by Apple, but generally speaking, may support the current version of macOS plus two previous versions in terms of security updates, which means. If you have, so I have a 2017 uh, 2017 iMac uh, at home, still supported. But if you've got an older device or one that's missed the cutoff, you've probably got at least another two years of security update support. The other thing that's worth noting is that they have not yet completed the Apple Silicon transition. And until they complete that transition, until they stop selling Intel Macs, they cannot abandon Intel machines. From a macOS standpoint,
1: and and adding on 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 to the 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 security aspect, they are going to also be installing security updates on iOS separate from the big updates.
0: Yes, that's right. Um, you've hit the nail on my head there. They're going to be they're going to be pushing those up much faster. That's a really good thing because I think a lot of people get hesitant about iOS updates because of misinformation about you know it could crash your system, it could wipe your day. An iOS update hasn't done that for a very long time. But also, if you just don't have the time to update your device, you shouldn't be missing out on security updates. And well done, Apple. This is a big deal. But speaking of security and safety, I know that when after we watched the keynote, you flagged this up as this is a big deal. Apple seemed to be really doing well on privacy and security and safety. There's a lot of stuff out there. But this one is something I think is really important. But, firstly tell us what, what have Apple done and,
1: and what does this mean to people, do you think? So Apple has, has put in a, a new tool called Safety Check, and their focus for this one is, is about protecting your personal safety. So one of the big feature of this is it's a tool to quickly turn off others' access to data about you. So, for instance, it will turn off location sharing and and it resets your privacy permissions. It protects access to your messages by signing out your messages on all devices except the one that initiates safety check. And then it it, it restricts that until you're able to add in more devices safely. And they had a, a big focus on on abusive relationships now it, it can it can apply to more, but they have really worked with with, with quite a few organizations to make sure that that this would be good in, in in the actual real world scenarios. So they've worked with the the National Network to End Domestic Violence, the National Center for Victims of Crime, and the Women's Service Network. So they are working with all with all these organizations, and I think that the, the, this is this is ama- amazing and critical. I know people have had to go through this. I myself have had to go through this and I think it's, this is phenomenal because as they said, we are, you, you sometimes enter into a relationship with somebody, either friends or or romantic and things are okay. But then all of a sudden you've given them all access to all this, this data and either you find out that, that they're abusive or, or it cuts off. This is an easy way to be like, okay, that person has access. Let's stop it. So I think this is well done. Apple really again focusing on on data and making it easy for users to see it it, it makes it easy to to, yeah. to, to, surface to users and it says hey you might not realize who you who you're sharing stuff with because i'm actually going to go through this even for people for for stuff and be like oh i forgot i was sharing with this because i i had a friend i used to i used to be friends with i mean like he and i are still friends but i was sharing my location with him i was like yeah. I did not realize I was doing this. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a great way to, to to realize things. And
0: the way that they've done it is almost like a nuclear option. That you, the, the, the device you are initiated from, is the is like the key to power. To do that, it means that you can do it without without you know worrying about well, what about all my other devices? You just then need to go and re-sign into those devices if you have them under your control. If you don't, then they've lost access. It is wonderful. I think it's a positive step forward. And I want there's something, again, it's something I want to talk about for you in the future. There's so much to go through. I think that Apple have faced a lot of criticism about AirTags. But I want to ask you something. What other tracking providers, tracking device providers, have actually gone to as much care as Apple have tried to do? Look, Apple is not perfect the you know device with u detection i haven't actually tried it out i'm i am hoping to do a test run of it tomorrow um intentionally so we're going to visit other family tomorrow i'll be separated from part of my family just for a short period while they go and do something else and i'm, I'm actually pressure washing my granddad's um driveway um uh, so if i don't come back it's because i've made a bad job of it and he's done away with me
1: <laughs>
0: you know um so if you don't hear if this episode never makes it out, Frazzly will know why. Um,
1: yes, I'll, I'll come find you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but I want to try it out because I will intentionally put my air tag in my my mother's handbag and see if she gets alert. I'll say to her, "Look, you know, obviously you know I put this in there. What do you see?" And um, by the way, that of course will be with consent. I would not do that. Um, I do have, just for, for complete transparency, I do have both my parents on Find My. They have me on Find My because it is helpful, particularly when I'm traveling to visit them. They know when I'm getting relatively close on the train. And, um, you know, I said to my dad earlier, actually, you know, what we could do is set a, you know, a reasonable geofence around the, tra- the train station that I'm actually meant to be arriving at. And we know how long it'll take you to get there. So once I hit that geofence, you can then leave to come and pick me up. So there are benefits to location sharing. But I do think Apple have done more than most. And I, whilst I think there is certainly room for improvement, I think it's unfair some of the criticism they've had.
1: Absolutely. And the, and the fact that people go after Apple and not other companies.
0: Absolutely. I, I think that's fairly common, especially in the privacy stuff. So that's safety check. Awesome feature. I hope that none of our listeners ever need this feature. I generally hope that for you. But if you do, and you're an iPhone user, it, it's fair. I hope I hope it, it helps you.
1: Yeah, it, it's nice to have a feature that will be available no matter what. Because when when you need it, you'll be glad it's there.
0: Absolutely. So watchOS 9, some really cool features, most of which we don't really, it's not that we don't care about, it's that we don't use them. I do activity tracking on my watch. I do workouts, but most of the workouts I do are like walks. Maybe the odd bit of uh, Apple Fitness Plus, if I'm feeling in a good in a good enough mood to do it and don't feel like an absolute idiot um bouncing around my, my lounge trying to do hit. Um honestly Oh,
1: I would love to see that. I would love to see I, that. I think we
0: could make a lot of money showing that, honestly. I think they <laughs> could do a whole whole YouTube episode. But point being, watch OS9. Look, there's some features, let's be honest. Myself and Frasley do not care about sports at no, all. Nope. Uh, so one, one
1: team wins. One team has the ball. They give the ball to the other team. But everyone goes. Wah! Yeah, no,
0: exactly, exactly. And I don't really care about that. I do care about fitness. I do. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get more into shape. But actually, Likewise. the big, the biggest feature of WatchOS nine, and thank, and it is coming to iPhone as well, is actually medication reminders. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you exactly what medication I take, and uh, Frasley is not going to do the same either. <laughs> but we both take medication for various things. Um, And you know what? They have times that they should be taken. They should be taken at different frequencies. You know, you could use reminders to remind you to take your pills. I've done that before. But the medication reminder stuff for adding to watchOS and to uh, iOS is really good because, first of all, you can it makes it easier to add the drugs and supplements and uh, vitamins you're taking the cool thing that i forgot that they did answer when I was rewatching bits of a keynote today to prep for this episode is you can scan the label
1: of your meds to add them isn't that fantastic that is and it makes it easy cuz you don't have to worry about like trying to like figure out stuff cuz i trying to trying to get all, all all my medications into different things has been a nightmare
0: and, and then there's the challenge of brand name versus drug name.
1: Yes.
0: Oh. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. Um, for example, and not to get too, you know, not to, I hope you've all had a nice pleasant mi- meal if you're eating with this, but a very common drug, um, Imodium, which people will know what it's for. Well, if you put, if you say, oh, to a doctor, I want Imodium, and say, oh, no, you want lapyramide, It's a medication for a, a certain uh Runny condition, shall we say. But yeah, the actual drug name is lapiramide. Um And similar, you know, some <laughs> I'm revealing a little bit about what I take, but everyone knows I've got an eye condition. Some of the eye drops I take, they have a brand name, or but the drug name is very different. It's also very hard to pronounce. So being able to scan with the labels is brilliant. But not only does it do that, it also looks at drug-to-drug interactions. That is incredibly hard to get right. I speak from experience. I have supported a e-prescribing app before for a very complex area of medicine. And getting drug interactions right is difficult because the data there, you either have to build it yourself or you have to pay a lot of money for access to these libraries. Well, that's what Apple have done. They've partnered with Elsevier to get all this drug information. And it's it's wonderful, it's gonna check that you know maybe the pills you want for one condition don't interact or don't have any harmful side effects because what's it a quarter of a million hospital admissions in the u s each year are because of drug drug interactions. I didn't know that, and that's a you know that's a sizable amount of hospital admissions. I don't know the figures for the u k on on drug to drug admission rates um in hospitals. I don't think my data is gonna be easily accessible for me n h s somehow but not only they are you doing drug to drug, the one that really interests me um, is alcohol indications. You know, because there is a common, I don't want to say a myth, but there's a common assumption that you can't drink alcohol full stop if you're on any kind of medication. Well, that's not always the case. Of course, you should always check with your medical practitioner. They will give you guidance on this. But the fact that, you know, Apple will have that information say, hey, this drug that you're taking has, you You shouldn't have alcohol with this. I think this is going to be brilliant. And so, Frasley, before I come to sort of my final point on why I think this is a great feature, I'd love your take on this. Again, I don't want you to revi- reveal any of the meds you're taking, anything like that. That's your business. But how uh, is this going to
1: benefit you, do you think? Absolutely, because there are times that I, I forget. Like, I use do for my reminders, but sometimes mm. I have so many do reminders that I miss the one. I've had uh, at least a couple times where I have missed my my medications mm. and this is going to be great to help me not not forget and I like how how it's easy I like how I can trust that Apple will work on it like I'm 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 looking forward to this and and again I I know that because it's an Apple notification it will have some of the highest operating system level permissions compared to other stuff
0: absolutely one thing i would love to see down the line as an improvement to this is um the ability for it to look for your say for example your local g uh, local healthcare provider up your local pharmacy to be able to say hey i'm I, I don't think this does any sort of inventory management on the on the drugs you're taking but wouldn't it be cool if you say hey you're running low on this drug reorder this via your pharmacy app.
1: I actually have one for my uh, uh, through my, my prescription plan that, that does inventory management, and it would be cool to have that be part of this as well.
0: Well, to be fair, though, I guess Apple don't necessarily have to provide the inventory management. They could just provide the health data because there are APIs that could then link into these apps. So it's not out of the bounds of possibility to do this.
1: Ooh, and we have a, a very major health... Um, uh, um, um, network that app that that has in- integration with with Apple Health. I yeah. can then see them working with this. Okay, th- this is this is
0: yeah. huge. It is huge, but my, you know, obviously this is great for me and you. It's great for all sorts of people. It does, however, for me, all the features that Apple's been adding to Apple Watch over the last couple of years, things like uh, the ECG, things like the uh, um, the blood oxygen stuff. There's rumors. But they are working on glucose, um, blood sugar monitoring for diabetic patients, all sorts of things like this. And, of course, a lot of this will have to go through FDA approval. But for me, the Apple Watch set up in a family, you know, family set up, cellular Apple Watch, starts to become a really good option for elderly relatives, particularly with fall detection, particularly with the ability to do emergency calls, to be able to dictate messages make phone calls use Siri um activity track uh, and now with medication reminders it uh, it really becomes something quite attractive my grandfather has a telecare system at home and it consists of a bracelet that he presses a button on and then a, a, like a, a little uh, it's like a lanyard thing that he wears it does the fall detection well he says it's too sensitive and it keeps going off when he's gone and going down to the greenhouse Well, Apple Watch is not that sensitive. I I will be really honest. I've triggered fault detection myself. I actually tripped. Um, There was like a loose paving stone or something on one of the roads I was walking down. I tripped, and it did trigger, and it was great. Uh, it was really, really impressive how well it did it. I don't know about you, but I think, honestly, they are such a great device for older relatives. And I'm just going to put something out there. Are, do you have relatives, not not you personally, but but listeners, do you have relatives who you've given an Apple Watch to who are older? Or is it something, you know, maybe is it something you consider? You know, for my grandfather, unfortunately, he's just a bit too old um, and various other factors that mean it isn't suitable. I'd love to hear from anyone who's done that.
1: Yeah, my parents uh, use it, um, and, and 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 I got family members who use it. And one family member uses it because he is prone to to falls, and mm. it, it has given us a bunch of peace of mind. And yeah, this medication reminder will be great. So again, it's, it kind of goes back into the the other point, the, the other the, the one I talked about. Apple's really concerned in a good way. About user safety and and user yeah. making your device useful for you, not just something that is a play or a luxury, but something that can actually change your life. Like my, I know people who have with the heart monitoring have found mm. that they have arrhythmia from it.
0: Yeah, which you know we haven't talked about. It. We've added new stuff to that as well. I think this is really cool stuff, and it goes back to that thing that we at Crosswires are really excited about. And it's our passion, technology for good. Yes. And you know what? You've given us great segue there, Frasley, into our next one. We talk about user safety and user security. Let me ask you something, Frasley. What do you use to log into your websites?
1: I currently use a a a, a, a password, and mine is uh, 1234 or I am God or password. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, yes. So we use passwords. Now, look.
0: Passwords have served their purpose for a long time and pass- passwords can be made more. <laughs> Just I love that password choice, by the way. They can be made more secure by using password managers. And of course, you know, I think it's fair to say we're both a big fan of 1Password as a password manager. And in fact, Apple in the developer session, they talk about what this technology we're about to talk about. You know, they didn't call out. One password by name they have done in previous stuff. And I'm sure a lot of the autofill mechanics that they built probably had one password in mind. But password managers don't solve all of the problems because you still got the problem of, you know, websites. For example, Bit of Security Research that literally was published uh, I think today. This was published uh literally this afternoon. Um now this is by Arvind Narayanan. Now I've probably pronounced your name wrong, Arvind. I do apologize if that's the case. Um, I did reach out to you on Twitter to ask for a correct pronunciation. Obviously, you're quite busy. But basically, you know, looking at sort of the security best practices for passwords and how all, they did a survey of 120, We reverse engineers, 120 popular English language websites and only 15 of them follow the guidelines. Things like... You know, not guess, checking for not guessable passwords or things not in the dictionary, L- you know, not limiting character choice, all that sort of stuff. All the things that, we, in fact, let me pull up the things, let's see. So the, the security researchers basically don't allow users to use passwords that appear in uh, leaked and easily guessable passwords. Uh, provide real time password strength, so an indication, you know, look, this is a good password or not. And then don't require specific characters, don't force, you must use. So many of these, so many of these. Those are the current guidelines, and it's scary. There's going to be a link to this tweet and obviously the thread in the show notes. But it means that passwords are still flawed, and it's why we have to use things like multi-factor to add additional layers of security to those passwords. Look, let me ask you this, Frasley. Do you ever get frustrated at you know all the different you know the password requirements, the fact that you you do have to have a different password for every website, and some of us st- absolutely bonkers multi-factor options out there
1: oh yeah because like like th- there's no standard of multi-factor i well, there is, but not everyone complies
0: to it that's a problem exactly
1: and, and and like i have to use a i i i hate the fact that like like i'll even take I'll work for instance i don't want to speak too much because i don't want to divulge too much of the security but i hate that i that like i can't for instance just have one password that i use everywhere I have to remember a specific password for work they use all the time, and and, right. and I just I passwords just become clunky, they get in yep. the way. And one thing that I I'm very impressed with is that this is not just an Apple specific technology.
0: This is so what we're talking about here is uh, passkeys. Now this is as, as I said, this is not an Apple technology, but Apple have implemented it in Safari and doing a really nice job of it. Basically. It is something that's been done by Refido Alliance. Now, this is not your dog care trust. This is the Fido Alliance who handle authentication. They're behind Web Orphan, and Passkeys is part of Web Orphan. So, the nice thing is, from a if you're a server admin, if you're a web app developer, you just need to support Web Orphan to support this. An Apple's developer session, which we'll link in the show notes has some really good examples of how to actually set this up as a you know to say how to do this. We've got an example in JavaScript. We're actually giving JavaScript examples in an Apple developer video of how web devs can support this. It's it's fantastic.
1: And I hope more and more enterprises use this because that would just make things easy for developers and everything. I mean it would just make everything much simpler. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: But so the, the basic concept behind it is but it's using public and private key authentication. Now, we here's a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. This ain't our first attempt at recording this episode. We actually tried to be early to the game last week. And sh- should we just be really honest here, Wesley? Neither one of us were happy with the results of our last recording, were we?
1: No, no. It was fun hanging out with you, but no. <laughs> it was.
0: It's always fun. Uh, you know, it's one of the things I love about doing Michelle. show. Be a member of a team like yourself. Other guest, I always have fun recording these episodes. In in my last recording, you made a really good question. Oh, is this like the Discord QR code sign-in link? Because you rightly pointed out, Fresley, hang on a second. If that's how it's going to work, that makes it not very secure. Because, you know, if someone's got that QR code, they can sign in. Well, no, it's not like that. The the QR code, first of all, is only used if you are using a different device to sign in on another device. So for example. You're using uh, biometrics on your iPhone to sign in on, say, a friend's computer uh, or a device without. Now, the one thing that I'm unsure about, and I couldn't find anything on this, so anyone who knows, please do let us know. If you have a Mac that does not have biometrics, which, incidentally, is probably why Apple have been so keen to put Touch ID onto as many Macs as it can and why probably those new Apple Silicon iMacs and Mac Minis can come with a, a keyboard with Touch ID. I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: I could see on the on the biometric Apple Watch because Apple is doing a lot with the Apple Watch.
0: Oh, you make a re- In fact, you make a really good point because actually you can already do that in macOS. Um so for example, even on my non-biometric equipped iMac I can use my Apple Watch to say uh, hey you know prompt this system prompt or whatever. So the question is if you don't have any biometrics or don't have an Apple Watch is your device password enough to authenticate a passkey? I don't know the answer to that. So we'll see. But say but you you know if you have biometrics I think it is preferred. And the idea is it's all done through public private key exchange. What that means is that that QR code you see is effectively a way for the device to sort of exchange information with the, the device that you're authenticating on? That actually never goes up to the server. But when you're doing your authentication session, what's happening is that it's doing a public-private key. So it does a the public key sends a challenge, and then only your private key can come up with a solution, not the public key, which means. You, it gets very complex and you have to understand a little bit about how public private key works. But at a very basic level, it means that your private credentials, the equivalent of your password, even though m- most good websites will salt and hash it, it can still be reversed. They are not stored on the server you're accessing. The private key is only on your devices and synced through iCloud. And, you know, iCloud, when well, we trust it for I- iCloud keychain. This is yeah. huge because it takes away one of the biggest flaws in passwords. Data leaks from websites.
1: I w- do want to put a counterpoint on or, or, or a, a point part that, that concerns me. I yeah. trust Apple iCloud, however, that does I mean we already put a lot in iCloud anyway. That does make iCloud the vector of attack. That's that's and, and, and on wires, we we look at the ethical side. I said, that's the biggest concern now I have with that. But it's the same with like trusting1password.com password. Um, dot yeah. com with your data. That is very true. And I'm sure and
0: there are measures to prevent those uh, pass keys from being used sort of fraudulently. I would imagine they are also tied to specific biometrics. Um, I don't fully understand it, um, to be honest, but it's a valid point. I'm pretty sure Apple have this. Nailed. It certainly means you're right. The point of attack becomes iCloud. I would imagine there's got to be what's there's got to be there will be something that is is pre- protecting that from happening from being an issue. I, you know what, I'll we'll try and find out. We'll try and find out some more information about that because it's a really good point. So that's past keys. It is going to, of course, be supported on Apple devices. It they are part of a huge alliance, which means. It looks like, by the way, that 1Password are going to be offering the ability to have passkeys in 1Password. It might well be that um, people choose to use that, particularly if you are a multi-platform beyond just Apple. You might choose to 1Password. There's been no announcements yet other than 1Password are now part of the Fido Alliance, so they are part of this, and it's really cool. So should we talk about not passkeys, but keys and cards
1: and wallet? yes so everybody pull out your wallets no not the thing in in your pocket yourself the wallet on on your phone because Mm. that is about to get even cooler so apple is doing one thing that 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 they've been doing already with the apple card because i i've been able to like do this with, with especially apple store payments on the apple card they are doing a thing called apple pay later is accepted everywhere that Apple Pay is online and through apps, and now this is within the United States, and this is through Goldman Sachs. So I, I was wondering who the who the issuer was, because I, Goldman Sachs is, is who does the Apple Card. And um, what's cool about the Apple Pay later is you can split your payments into four payments over six weeks, for instance, at the point of purchase, two weeks after, four weeks after, six months after. There's a similar service I've, I, I've actually been using um, called Afterpay for this um through apple pay. Uh, there is no interest or fees to consumers and apple will get the fees from from merchants and and i think the biggest thing that 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 you and i can probably agree on is we gotta be gotta, we gotta be wise with this because i sometimes live on credit and i'm mm-hmm. so it, it's something you just gotta be wise on because yeah i got some different loans they gotta pay off <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Look, and if you have the, you know, if you can guarantee that you'll have a cash flow, this is absolutely fine. Now, it will probably require, you know, what we call a soft credit check, which makes a lot of sense. But this is really cool. Now, I'm guessing the reason it won't work in in-store payments is because you're there's not Apple aren't really there's not a brokerage at that point. You're just doing a contactless NFC payment. So, were Apple Pay supported? The transaction goes through Apple first. It, it makes a lot of sense that it's only supported online and in apps. It is really cool. It makes perfect sense. Unfortunately, that it's US only because we don't have the Apple Card worldwide, and it, that's because there aren't those relationships yet between Apple and, say, a UK bank or an Australian bank, you know, etc. So that's why it's US only. I think it's really cool. Um, I particularly, you know, if you, you know, the example they gave is, oh, you can buy that new espresso machine. Fantastic! I love my coffee. Uh, one day, I would love to be able to spend five hundred pounds on a really good espresso machine.
1: My problem is, I, I, you have to use a different service to spread out my payments over a little bit more than uh, a few weeks because yeah, I six and weeks. I yeah. mean obviously, means I obviously have interest there.
0: So absolutely. So you know, the fact that this is zero interest, this is not designed to, you know, as long-term. This is just a handy little feature. It's it's cool. In a similar way, though, what the, what they're also doing is, I and mean, we announced this earlier this year, but tap to pay again, US only, and working with many merchants. So um, one example they said is is working with Stripe, which means the Shopify POS app will work with this, is for any iPhone newer than the XS, you'll be able to use it as a payment terminal. As a contactless Which, payment terminal,
1: that's really cool because I actually have a friend who she does her her, her um, purchases through Stripe. So she she carries a, a Stripe card with her, yeah. and it, and now you don't have to worry about charging another thing. You can just do it on your phone, and you and the person know it's secure because it's going through that merchant directly. That that data mm-hmm. never touches touches any anybody's hands, and I think that's that's partly why Apple is 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 being so controlled on it instead of just instead of and making a function of iOS itself, instead of just being a thing that NFC yep. app stick could pull into.
0: I, I think it's wonderful. I think uh, this is not by the way designed for person to person payments. You'd use, you know, Apple pay, ca- um, Apple pay cash or Venmo or something like that or PayPal for those. This is great examples. You know, you, your friend who runs her business, your local barber, you know, my barber shop. the, the way they work is a, each person, you know, whoever comes in and whoever's free takes the client, unless, of course, you know, you've got a preference. But they then have their own card reader and may take your payment on their card reader. Well, that's per- this is perfect for that. Maybe your gardener, you know, it, after the pandemic, I think a lot of us, I've always been very keen on cashless, but I think a lot more of us are becoming cashless. Uh, contactless, is, contactless was already a big thing here in the UK. I know it's lagged behind in the u s um massively so compared with the u k we we had a huge push from our banks
1: it it was nice. I forget where I was. I was somewhere and forgot my purse and I just used my phone so yep. it was incredibly nice
0: it is fantastic, you know and you know we talk about some of these really cool features that are coming. The other cool stuff they're doing
1: look, I don't want to spend
0: too much on time time on this but Things like that we added in the last, you know, couple of, last year or so is the express transit feature on watch and phone, which means you choose an Apple Pay card, and when you go to supported transport networks, supported transit networks, you just tap your watch or your phone onto the contactless reader, tap on, tap off, it, it you know, start and end of your journey. I use this on the London Underground on the tube. I just tap my Apple Watch at the first pay at the first gate line and then tap off at the the last gate line and it bills you know just as any contactless card was it was wonderful they are talk they do have transit pass support in apple pay it does seem rather limited it's not in the uk at all we don't have any of that i will say if anyone from apple is listening please work with some of the um you know the, the councils and stuff here that do the You know, the the bus passes for people with uh, disabilities, because of my eyesight, I have one of those. I would love that just to be in Apple Wallet. I would love that because it is just an NFC card. It isn't a transit pass, so it doesn't require topping up. They are talking about, you know, being able to get reminders now when your balance is low on transit cards. It does seem that's very popular in China. I looked at, you know, the transit cards you can add. It's huge in China. What's your experience of sort of A- Apple Wallet and transit?
1: I I was able to use um, Apple Wallet for flying one time because I actually flew and and um, I was able to, I had my, my, uh, my Southwest airline tickets in Apple Wallet and I just showed that to TSA and they let me through. We don't yet have IDs, so I still have to carry my ID. Certain states here... Um, have I have have I have I need support, but not all of them. I, I'm I'm definitely excited for the day that I'll be able to try uh, a transit thing. So it because that sounds like a really cool thing. Just uh, again, and one last thing for somebody to try to steal on the uh, on, on 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 transit because oh yeah, they, of they, course. If, if if they take your your watch, it it's, it's, it's useless because it, yeah, yeah. Cause it doesn't have the authentication. I want to touch wider on
0: why I like Apple Wallet, because it's not something we've talked about before. One thing I love is being able to put travel tickets, as in you talked about flight tickets. Well, you know, on most of my rail journeys, because I use the train line app, they have a feature where you get the e-tickets where available. And you just add them to Apple Wallet straight, straight from the Trade line app. I've got things like my Costa Coffee reward card in there. When we had to have COVID passes, that was added to Apple Wallet. I like Apple Wallet as a whole thing. I have multiple cards in there. I think it's fantastic, and I just want to see more and more improvements.
1: And one thing, um, I, I, I know I cannot do this because I currently am currently in a, uh, in a apartment that does not let me change the locks but oh yes apple wallet has added keys and and, and support for, for, for like for for keys for smart locks well you can now share a key yeah. your messaging apps and also know who has access to your key as well so you can revoke access but it's really cool to be able to like say hey here's my key open my door um because much better than giving someone your actual key because then they can't copy it because you 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 know where it is because so many grocery stores around here have have uh have key um kiosks which is scary. oh key
0: cutting yeah key cutting stuff is is scary unless you've got specific security locks then yeah any, anyone can cut a key one thing that's just worth noting it's no, no it's not just your home you know you've seen a lot more hotels start to use these um home kit key, keys offices I think we mentioned schools because You know, as we want to protect students, it does make sense to have some form of authentication into a building, and more. You know, because that means you can have more than one entry and exit into a building,
1: and 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 verify who who opened up the door at what time, and and some of our um a car I probably won't ever be able to afford for a long time. Some cars are now starting to have keys in your Apple Wallet. Now, I would be a little terrified to say, hey. Here's the key to my car because oh gosh yeah. it, it'd be like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off where you're like you're like going across joyriding. <laughs> oh, you I wouldn't that do thing. that, James, would you? You wouldn't do that to my car. No, no, of course
0: I wouldn't do that. No, not at all. Hey, we missed something out, you know? Order tracking. Okay, how many times have we paid for something on Apple Pay I and mean, had had to rely on you know emails from a provider, you know, all that stuff? All oh, really bad tracking. Well, it's gonna be built. In to Apple Pay. It's going to be shared with you. With, it's going to be done in a private and secure way. Uh, currently, it's only supported by Shopify at the moment, which is fine, but it means you'll be able to see your statuses.
1: I love that. I hope that this gets expanded to things like, I'm very serious, like I use Apple, Apple Pay when I when I one of my favorite places is Wendy's. I use Apple Pay for Wendy's. i pay for Taco Bell. It'd be cool to have like, hey, your order's ready or here's your order or hey, okay, your order was picked up. And yeah, well, I, well w-
0: yes, yes, that's cool. But actually, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here. But Apple announced something about that new live. So let let let's skip to this. Apple are doing some huge work on the new on the lock screens in iOS 16. We'll talk about personalization, But one of the things they really showed off was these new live note live activity notifications. So for an app like Uber Eats, Deliveroo, or Just Eat here in the UK. Rather than getting 10 notifications, as Vasily just said, your order's in the kitchen. Your order's been cooked. Your order's we're adding the salt to the order. We're putting it in the bag.
1: The, <laughs> I'm hungry now! Oh. The, the
0: temporary workers just spat in your burger for some reason. Oh, wait, then no, we shouldn't have <laughs> sent my notification. Um, you're, you're the driver's at the restaurant. The driver's sat outside having a quick cigarette. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I do apologise if you work in that industry. But the point is, these live activity notifications are ideal for that. I think I don't think order statuses are necessarily meant for for what you're, for the sort of thing we're talking about here. They're more for you've ordered that gorgeous new pair of shoes or that shiny new Mac Studio that Frasley promised to buy me last week.
1: Yes, I did uh, one day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, it's on record by the way. everyone now, yeah. <laughs> Um you know, I think the live activity stuff, but let's sort of rewind a little bit. Lock screens have never you okay, you you'd be able to put a photo on your lock screen. But you haven't really been able to make it your own in terms of widgets and changing the colour of and font of the clock and the date. Now you can. And it looks phenomenal with all the widgets we're showing, with one of the really cool things they showed is so Craig he had a picture of his kids, and which stuff they've added to it now. You know, in this like new live text thing, where you can you know get the subject of a photo out of the background, he could just move his kids down a bit to add complications, and you can have like the date and time behind like parts of a photo. It looks incredible. It, the edge detection looks. I've seen tweets. It looks phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's the right word. Phenomenal. It looks amazing, but we've all these notifications. Notifications are now going to come in from a bottom. Which, that's good. To take some, I don't know about you. But that's good. To take some getting used to.
1: Yes, I because I'm used to looking at the top of stuff and in a way I'll, I'll I might miss it for a little while, but I do like the the changes because sometimes I've had a really cool lock screen, but the title and date just looks horrible. Like I had one yeah. that, that it did not look at. And can I ask you, James? What's yeah. my favorite color going to probably be if I can make it work with the photo?
0: Well, you see, uh, from watching Firstly's streams, I happen to know that her favorite color is purple. How did you guess? Because <laughs> it's all over oh, your shit. stream
1: branding. That's why. <laughs> I now need to change my security question. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier um, a callback to her episode of of the of this show we talked about security questions. Oh, Follow yes. the tip there's one in an earlier episode with with out. so listen to that one for a great security question tip.
0: Yes, good good callback. Do go and listen to that episode. By the way, I
1: I I I, I remember when I texted you about this the first time, I was a little un um, unfazed with this. I was kind of like, oh okay, until I saw what it could do. Until I saw how it's like yeah. the lock screen and stuff like that, that's when I realized, oh, because yeah, because Android has had I've had some from mm-hmm. some friends who have showed me some incredible Android um, lock screens and and like I, our home screens aren't exactly all the way that I would love. I would love some of this stuff to come to the to the home screen at some point. It's gotten better with the like some, yeah. with, especially with the last iOS release, but it is at least cool now that the that that I can make this my own and. One thing I want to touch on on the on the lock screen is the 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 the, how it ties in with focus mode because focus mode was that was tied in. I use focus mode all the time. Like I have I tell focus mode when I'm at my work location, go into focus mode, and only specific people can can text me and stuff like that. But because you can have multiple lock screens,
0: you can then say, okay, this focus mode, my work focus mode, I might have, for example, a company logo as my lock screen. Uh, particularly if, you know, if I'm client-facing, you might have a company logo. You might brand it that way. Uh, you know, If it's your personal device, and obviously a company can't make you do that, but you might choose to. But you, again, you will have certain notifications. Now, I'm hoping that it's going to be a shortcut option to change your lock screen as well, because you might want to, for example, at different locations. Although focuses can be triggered by locations, but you might want to have a shortcut that maybe you start a particular workout. You might want to change your screen to have one that has more workout information, things like that.
1: Yeah, and I can think of like, like at work, I have to know what time stuff is. So I, I have to know like, like orders that go out at this certain time of the day mm. are in this location. I could just create like like a sticky note widget on my lock screen and be like, have it at easy, easy glance.
0: Yes, now, if there is one thing I wish that you could actually, I suppose technically you can do this now with widgets, is I was gonna say, previously being able to do fast flashlight and camera from the uh lock screen. But of course with widgets, it should mean yeah, you can launch any app that's put widget, because of course there's widget kit. Before we move on to a little bit more of some of the focus stuff that's coming, because there's some really cool stuff in focus. Question for you. Are you getting Watch OS watch face vibes from this?
1: Yes, I am really because even the way that like you can Modify things, even the gallery, because there is a yes. gallery of lock screens now, and now that's also pretty cool. Because then you can get ideas from people. Because like I, still, I'll go like Unsplash for like lock screens. Now you can go to someone else's one. Please, yeah. uh, Apple, can you bring this to home screens? How cool would that be to have like a home screen gallery? Oh yes, that? no,
0: that that would be great. No, it would be really good. Um, I really like where this is heading. So, but focusing more on focus. There's a few really cool things I like that we're adding to focus, and it's the focus filters. And at a very high level, what this will mean is that, you know, Fantastica, for example, has had this feature for a while, where you'd be able to say, okay, I have these calendar sets, and I only want to see these calendar set at this time. Well, that's now coming through focus filters. So, for example, you'll be able to say, okay, in Mail, only show me these mailboxes. In Calendar, only show me these calendars. In messages, only show me these conversation threads. And because they are, again, adding a focus filter API, it means that things like apps like Outlook or maybe uh, Discord. Yeah, Discord could, for example, say, okay, when I'm at work, only show me content that is safe for work, maybe. Don't show me any.
1: Or even like specific work Discord. Like I'm actually in a, it's unofficial, but I'm mean i in a, a, a Discord for my company.
0: Right, uh, or maybe you know, um, when you're in a meeting or a sales pitch, you might only want to see a particular Slack channel for "Help me with this sales pitch." I'm pitch, I'm drowning here, channel in <laughs> Slack, you know, because uh, or, or things like that, or, or you know, and the possibilities are endless because there's an API. So many apps are going to be able to do this. It's, it's so
1: cool. Absolutely, because like I do a lot of of communication at work with like very specific people for like, for like yeah. data wise. But I, I do, I do, I do some communication with with people like my, my manager will sometimes say, Hey, how's things, how are things going? And it'd be mm-hmm. great to have him in a work filter that was, yes. he's always there. But then, um but, but, but then no one else shows up other than who I add there.
0: Yeah. And I agree with, you know, I will say, you know, when you are at work, I think it's again, being responsible and accountable when you're working, you are working and it is the whole idea is of paying for your time. Obviously, as for my point of view, as long as you're doing the work, it's fine. But, you know, maybe a bit of aid to stop you being distracted is a good thing. And, yes. You know, I, I think that's really important. So that's focus and, and the new lock screens. I can't wait to see what people do with, with lock screens.
1: Messages. I definitely want to go over just real, okay. even real fast. Cause messages well, let's do, some... yeah, let, let's talk. Let's talk messages. So yeah, you know I'm, I'm uh, sending things at at work tonight to, to my manager. What if I accidentally send the, <laughs> <laughs> the wrong message to somebody? Oh
0: gosh! <laughs> like
1: I have done before.
0: <laughs> editing messages. Hey, messages got an edit button before Twitter did.
1: Yes. Well, and, and I wasn't even talking about editing messages. I'm sorry. There's an undo. Oh, there's undue also send. an undo send because I one time sent somebody. A oh. Message to-
0: <laughs> hey, I forgot something in my focus filters. Which is kind of important. Tab groups, um, Safari tab groups can be in the filter uh, focus filter. I, I'm just going to say by the way, is a quick thing. I adore tab groups. I have started using them recently. The so I have one for you know like for job search, for example, and because they unlike the other tab groups, so like the default all tabs or you know default tabs, those don't sync between devices, but tab groups do. And it's really cool. We'll talk. Uh, actually, one quickly. Hey, shared tab groups in this release in Safari. I can see that being huge for collaboration. You know, we talk about messages being used for collaboration. Shared tab groups is going to be fantastic.
1: Absolutely, because like, like looking at like at, at like even like 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 one of the examples that they the, the, the showed was like trips. Like, say you're say yeah. you're going on a trip or somebody. Be like, hey, what are you about this? What do you think about this? That is absolutely brilliant. So we
0: talk, you know, we're talking about undo send and editing messages, you know, preventing env- embarrassment. Uh, one thing I will say on the undo send: it does look like this is an iOS 16 feature. So earlier reports show that if you if you send to someone an earlier version, you'll get a warning and say, "Hey," or try to do one send, ten, they'll get a You'll get a warning and say, "Hey," they might actually still be able to see this. So it. It will at least warn you about that.
1: That's good, and I'm glad that they're trying to warn stuff. And yeah, the editing messages. The one thing about the editing messages, I I I, I wonder is because editing messages scares me. Mm. What if you send somebody a message? What's the time limit on it? Oh, um, good
0: point. Yeah, because you don't want to.
1: I would almost hope that there is a version history because what if you send somebody or somebody sends you something and then they edit it, all that, and then they take a screenshot. Of it. Yeah,
0: and, you know, you don't want people doing that. You know, I, I think that there is some potential. so Look, this is all still being fleshed out. Hey, speaking of messages, you know yeah. those times where you might not be able to do a FaceTime call, but you still want to share play? Yes. Like you might be in a car trip with your family and you want to, you know, watch an episode or something with your best friends. Well, yeah. now you can do share play in messages.
1: Which is really cool because in that way... It- you can still watch this together. Oh, I love that. I love that. Isn't
0: it exciting? Isn't that exciting? I mean, I, I, I really like SharePlay. Look, we've got not enough time to go into all the collaboration stuff, but can I just say how excited I am by some of the collaboration stuff that are being announced? Apple are really pushing forward on this, and I love some of the way the direction we are heading. Should we talk about the thing that I think we're both really excited about? I know we're excited Ooh. about everything, but there's 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 two big things that I think we need to sort of discuss. And the first one is something I know we're both... Well, I'm excited about both, but I think we will both get a lot of use out of. Continuity camera.
1: Yes! Oh. For someone on an M1 Mac who's using a, a webcam. Yes! Because, like, right now I'm using a, a DSLR hooked up to mm-hmm. here, but I have to, it, it's so convoluted to get onto my Mac, I am going to love being able to just, like, take my iPhone... Connect it up and, and, and have it sh- show immediately, oh, that is cool. And wow.
0: I, I So I looked at an article from, I think it was from Verge. So first of all, it's going to be able to do up to 1080p at 60 frames a second. Well, let's be honest. You don't really need to do more than that for a webcam, do you? Even, no. Le- in fact, let me ask you this, Rosley. Even as a streamer, are you putting out 4K video on your stream?
1: No, because I don't have the, the brand with the processing power.
0: <laughs> exactly. And you know what? You don't need it. But with the right mounts, and Apple have said, you know, there's some mounts coming. I actually found one earlier, which is like eight pounds, and it's a magnetic one that seems to mag- magnetize. Now, it's not an official one, but it looks really cool, and I might get that. But, you know, you put this on your monitor or you put it on, you know, particularly on an iMac or MacBook Pro, you can mount your camera. From what I've seen, it looks like it'll work in or any, oriente- or any orientation, which is great. But there's a few big features. One of them is, of course, that you're going to be able to use portrait mode, studio lighting, and center stage. So now, any Mac that can support this feature, which is any Mac that can support Ace, uh, Mac OS Ace Ventura, I'm going to keep calling it that. I don't care if we get a cease and desist from Apple, I really don't. <coughs> We'll be able to do this. We'll be able to have center stage because that processing is all taking place on the iPhone. And again, this is supported on any iPhone that supports iOS 16. It is worth noting, of course, that you'll only be able to do center stage and some of the features on cameras that have the ultra wide. So that's the iPhone, I think the iPhone 11 and above have the ultra wide.
1: And on that, on the ultra wide Mm. sensor, one other thing that it's going to allow you to do oh. Oh. is, it's going to allow you to show your desk in a separate view. So you you'll have your mm-hmm. your your face on the on, on the webcam, but then also you'll be able to show your your desk. I know, like um, I I know like teachers who like teach, for instance, like 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 a craft will be able to mm. show their desk at the same time as 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 the iPhone. And or like say like you're you're working on like Legos. Oh, I I want I want to get back into Legos again. This might be how I get back into Legos, and it's going to be really cool. Now I just better make sure I don't turn it on, when I'm like, take so can see my uh, messy desk. <laughs> no, I'm not going
0: to turn that. Well, you on. <laughs> know, you, you 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 say that, but you know, we you know um previous guest on the show Cody from Mac Telecom Networks has a Lego channel, and he did brick building videos. I don't know if he still does. In fact, I know I don't think he does. Uh, but you know the whole build but you could do that now this is using really clever technology to basically uh, key, it's de keystoneing the image to give you you know a, a a proper view of the desktop
1: that's incredible yeah and apple's always done like special magic with, the, with some of the stuff i mean even, even center stage is magic that, that, that they're doing in that regard and it just shows some of the the ingenuity apple has and Again, how Apple utilizes the software and hardware together for a lot of a lot of features.
0: Absolutely. You know, I'm excited about this. Looking at the Verge article, you know, controlling the center stages in use portrait mode is all gonna be done not through the app. So app developers aren't gonna to have to adopt AFINVO. It looks like you might have they might have to adopt something for desk view. It's it's unclear. Oh no. I think if they just want the Desk View view itself, they'll have to use the API. But I think Desk View, sort of as it was demoed, will work just as a thing. But there's an API uh, for Desk View, um,
1: and hopefully things. Hopefully things like Zoom will will will, will utilize the uh, Desk View as, as a Zoom. have already said they are nice. Zoom. have that already said
0: they're going to allow uh, allow for that, which is really cool. Very excited about this. Let me ask you this. Obviously, on the Mac side of things, this is effectively Sherlocked, Epoch Cam, Droid Cam, and uh, Camo, various other apps. Obviously, they will still stick around for Windows users. So, firstly, let me pitch something to you. You have currently um, a Sony DSLR. Um, well, you have a Sony mirrorless camera as your camera. Yes. If, and we haven't even touched on this yet, but we saw some great news on Metal Free and things like No Man's Guide and Resident Evil Village which is not my kind of game but I know it's a
1: popular game. Oh lady 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 Dimitrescu. Oh yes, yes. And they just add announce <laughs> an update the DLC. I I I, I could geek out but this this is not uh this is this is not um cross gaming.
0: <laughs> no, but it is something we'll talk about. But you know, we're starting to see hopefully we'll, this is not the last big name it's going to st- Start looking at this because you know, we loop back to the M2 and where Apple are going with Apple Silicon because they've got so much power in their GPUs. They talk about being able to do, you know, resol- effectively what is super, super resolution, resolution scaling um, for Metal 3, which is going to be part of, uh, of uh, Mac OS Ventura. But let me ask you this if someone handed you an iPhone 13 Pro, a reasonably powerful Mac to run the games that you want to stream and said okay that is now your streaming machine you can't use a windows pc again could you see that in the future being something that streamers like yourself could do
1: yes and in fact i've actually known some some mac streamers who if they had this some of this technology would have been great because like with the fact that like the the uh the m1 m2 max are way better at, at their performance and, and everything mm-hmm. i could see this being something and Obviously, you will need, and Steve Ballmer will, will be here. You need developers, developers, developers. But absolutely, I, I think if developers will catch on to this, because the one little thing is, and you may have seen this, and on, on Steam, there's not always games on Steam, and sometimes the, the cost of the Mac one is different because it has to be through like a Aspire yeah. or or Fer- or Ferro Interactive and all that. Yeah, so it is. Yeah. That's the only downside. But things like Final Fantasy 14, one of my favorite games, is on Mac. So,
0: absolutely. Can I just say to 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 Valve, who are obviously behind Steam, please put the same effort we've put into Linux support into macOS support. Let's let's have that, please. Seriously, yes. let us have um you know is it Proton? We call it yeah, Proton. Um, well it's you know Steam Play, wh- whatever they call it. I want that support.
1: And one thing I, I I didn't even think about this is we we haven't even factored in cloud gaming yet because cloud gaming's oh, still point. not quite there, but it's getting there. I, I mean it is. Um, Google Stadia kind of fizzled a little bit. Um, Amazon's um, Project Loom or, Lo- or Luna. Um, oh X-Cloud. Yeah, yeah, And XCloud is how people are able to play Fortnite right now on on iOS devices. But yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know if it's yet ready for 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 a stream, but even then. With 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 something new camera, if I were to plug in a capture card,
0: I oh. could play Switch games.
1: So then it would be a, a phenomenal thing. So yeah, okay. You know what? I you can just, see myself
0: cause I no 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 because actually some of I I you know I watch your streams. Um, some of your gaming is you know you I know you have played um Animal Crossing. I know you've done bits of that. I know me and you have some plans potentially uh, to do some um Mario Kart um yes um streams look crosswise is not a gaming channel i would have to think seriously about the branding for my stream but i don't know crosswise gaming could work maybe cross yeah crosswise Gaming. i mean could
1: work. And you can always come over over to my stream so i mean yeah. and, and then, if, 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 if then i i can beat your butt inside of mario kart
0: <laughs> you, you think that's gonna happen do you honestly
1: yeah now. I do. <laughs> now
0: this says says the man who says the man whose nephew and I won't reveal the age of my nephew to avoid my embarrassment. Beat him roundly at Mario Actually, He's pretty good at Mario Kart. He's very good at Mario Kart. He's also embarrassingly good at Smash Super Smash Brothers as well. Anyway, that's a that's a whole different thing. <laughs> Continuity camera, I was so excited about. And it just show Apple, oh, oh I'm really excited about this.
1: It shows the the beauty of having Different Apple devices. I I know it's part of the, their their lock in and into the ecosystem. I mean, it, it's it's why I still have a, I still have a, I still have an Mac, But mm. it shows the beauty of it. If you combine your Mac together with your with with an iPhone, it's it's beautiful. I mean, and I could see this coming to iPad at some point. I could see it coming to a future yeah. iPad release. Really. There's probably yeah. a reason why they don't have it yet right now. But imagine. I mean, I I know that the iPad has it, but imagine. Taking an iPad and then using the front facing camera, uh, uh, or yeah, okay. or, uh, yep. or, or yep. and using the, the back facing camera of an iPhone, and, and then t- t- take the processing power off of the iPad and do some really cool things. I think this shows a amazing future.
0: It does, it really does. Speaking of future, I think the last thing I want to touch on is what they teased for CarPlay.
1: Oh, because, yes. Okay, so look,
0: just full, full. The only way I'm ever going to be a car owner is when we have fully secure and safe, no driver intervention required, self driving. That's the only way I'm going to be able to drive. I, unless, you know, we get Geordie LaForge style eye implants, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, or Apple does contact lenses. I, I pay for those, by the way. But you are a driver. Now, you don't have carplay at all right now. No. I mean, does your car even have a stereo?
1: It, it, it does have a stereo, but fun fact, I have a, a, a Spotify um, car thing, which is kind of like an, a- an Apple Play, and it's plugged into the CD player, because it has a little mount that goes into the CD player I think so I'm using a streaming service <laughs> thr- hooked into my car through the CD player.
0: <laughs> wow. Is that using an aux input, Jack, Then So it mounts, because there's no way it could read, yeah. but yeah.
1: It, it, it's Bluetooth, so so the oh, okay. uh, CD, it, it, it mounts into the CD player, and then it uses my car's Bluetooth. And but it comes ah. back I am using Echo Auto. Oh wow! Okay,
0: <laughs> you on wow. I am disappointed in so many ways. <laughs> but,
1: okay, so look,
0: I've seen CarPlay. A few of my friends have got CarPlay uh, in their cars as it stands right now, and it is a great system. One of the things Apple highlighted though is that at the moment it is just limited to the infotainment system. What they showed is a a friend of mine called it the takeover of the car by CarPlay. This yes. is everything. This is the dash display, and for what I saw in the, the keynote, they're not just to, it doesn't say oh your car must have these displays to be compatible. It looks like they're adapting it, you know, to any sort of display layout. They gave examples like a whole display across the entire dashboard, you know, passenger and um, driver side. Or you know, like the like, like the Tesla huge vertical screens that sort of thing. Of course, Tesla are not a CarPlay adopter. and you know I know that causes a lot of frustrations for Tesla owners. But this looks incredible. The fact that you're going to be able to personalize your driving experience, you're going to be able to integrate with your car's hardware to tune the radio, to manage the, you know the the temperature and the aircon. To probably do a lot of other things as well. That in itself is cool. But first of all, as a driver, are you excited for what this could be?
1: Absolutely, I'm excited for the fact that like I could now keep everything all in one. Like my iPhone could, mm-hmm. my iPhone will, will, will hold all my data, and, and any car that I go into that has car applicability, instantly will will securely put that data into that car, and then it's gone as soon as you unplug. It's it, you, you're wiped, and then the dash. I think one thing on on the episode that we talked about last time that, that you talked about, and something I want I want to see if you can modify the font size on the dash. That is a oh. huge accessibility option because well, like, it looks like I can. saw oh, you can't. Okay, great because because like that goes into the fact like I even saw on the carplay that they showed you can customize the background customize the the uh, yeah. colors of it. This looks like an incredible way to, to bring personalization to your car. And well, again, what color of mine probably be primarily. Yeah, be-
0: you'll be purple. But things like, you know, I'm a driver dash. You might decide, I oh, actually, I want my navigation as the focus with a, a, a big, you know, speed gauge. You know, be able to check fuel, fuel status through your iPhone. Fantastic. But you hit on a big finger. Now, apparently Tesla already has this functionality, you know. Car preferences in the car can be set via a pair of Bluetooth devices. It knows which one it is, which is really cool. But I think iPhone, you know, CarPlay will take it further again. But Now, I'm assuming this is the case. We don't know. What happens if you do? Now, it may, if you move between two models of the same car, it makes sense, but it would be maybe the same setup. I wonder if it's actually going to be where in CarPlay... You will have different connected cars with different preferences. Now,
1: that would be cool. We're like, because, then you could have like your. I mean, if you have a business or, or work that allows us, you could have like your work mode in your work car, and then you can have like your regular car. I, I, I only have one car, but yeah, that would be that would be really cool. And I was thinking, um, what if it it uh, like the fact that it has access to the car. Some cars I know will change the uh, the driver's seat automatically for it. What if it automatically when logged in the car, the car's like, okay, this, I know this phone, I will move the driver's seat back. I think that would yeah. be pretty cool. That, it, I think it, it really it will. brings in some 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 amazing options and and again, kind of going back to the uh, passwords and all that. It, it mm. makes your phone the center of you and wherever you go, your phone controls things. It unlocks your your car. I mean, I've heard of people going to rental cars with CarPlay and, and how yeah. they, they they log in and the car automatically has. They, they need because we all have. I've been on. Well, at least I've been into a rental car that has somebody else's Bluetooth on it, and and I even like sync some of their con. Mm. I didn't think I it even synced their contacts. I was like, oh, I could call I could call Becky Sue. <laughs> Right,
0: exactly. And I think a big part of this is, again, this, you know, making the iPhone a centre. I'm really excited for this. I, Again, I'm not probably glad to see it myself, but it's really cool. Just to loop back to our numbers thing, because we like our numbers on this show. CarPlay as it stands right now is currently available on over 98% of cars sold in the US. I assume that means new cars sold. And 79% of US buyers will only consider a car if it comes with CarPlay. That says Apple are doing something right. Mm -hmm. It really does. It's really good to see some car makers doing this. You've got Ford, Land Rover, Mercedes, Jaguar, Nissan, Polestar, Honda, Volvo, though that's an interesting one because I was watching an advert recently for the new C40 Recharge, and they prominently promoted Android Auto, so I don't know what's going on there.
1: I am going to guess because I I know a lot of those manufacturers that, that have CarPlay they they also support um, um Android.
0: Oh Auto. yeah, true. Okay, fair play. I, I don't know what that'll mean for that, but here's a question for you. Firstly, is this the Apple Car product, or is there still an actual Apple Car in the works?
1: Oh, still an Apple Car in the works.
0: Because you think so? Okay.
1: The, the, the way that they closed off this segment, we have a lot more to show you down down
0: the road. road. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I think, but. The fact that they're going to make this for other platforms, for other car makers as well, is really cool. I think we have been really honest, I think we've hit all the points we really care about. There's so much more in all these new OS releases that we could spend a lot more time talking about, but I think, I don't know about you, but I think we've hit on the points that we care about. Unless there's anything that we've missed that you think, no, actually we we, we should really talk about this.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that because there's a lot here and with with any big release of, of Apple product software updates some of this stuff will change by release yep. some of the stuff we'll, we'll find new fi- new fi- new things at, they get they, we'll have things that that that'll, that'll go missing by the end of it uh, yeah but I think overall I think we've we've touched on it and I have like at some point some like concepts I would love because I, I see where Apple I can see where Apple's going to go in the future.
0: Yes. I I agree with you on that. One thing I do want to say, and this is just sort of public service really, is right now the developer betas are out. If you are not a developer and you do not have a spare device or devices to test this with, don't install the developer betas. They are betas. I saw that
1: tweet!
0: Just, just, okay, this thing is beta You do not need this. First of all, there's a few things. Don't expect your apps from your favorite developers to be ready or guaranteed to work. If you're running mission critical stuff, you should not be ever running betas. Seriously, don't do it. When the public betas come along, it's then, you know, you can make that call. I personally never run. Actually, that's not true. I think I ran the last. I ran, like, the the two betas prior to iOS 15 launching, but the public betas. Please be careful and be nice to your developers. If something goes wrong on a beta, yeah, by all means report it to the developers, but you have no rights whatsoever to demand that they fix their app. They are working on it. They get the developer betas at the same time as everybody else.
1: Okay? I just want to bring a point home because I I saw the tweet that uh, that James either tweeted or retweeted on.
0: I think I retweeted it. Yeah,
1: somebody installed on the on the device that they use for their 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 blood gl- glucose meter. Oh yeah, that's that's everything that that's everything James is saying. Don't do like I don't do betas on my phone because I need it for work. I I have my 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 work systems. You have line of business
0: apps on your phone that you cannot do your job without
1: absolutely and and i i i don't do it and yeah yeah so like like i mean i know you even go riskier with with the beta that 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 that, that you told me about I'm like <laughs> with, with beta. so like, yeah i i I will I, I, will,
0: I will I will confess my sins i am running the one password eight early access betas on both of my ios devices i
1: don't um, know how you do it even I, if, I don't have, if I don't have my my One Password working, I am I am lost. Well, oh. I mean, to be,
0: well, because it's a cloud service and because my data is up there, and I have it on my Mac, I can just really easily reinstall One Password Seven. publicly. that's release. true. It, but that's because true. they are separate apps and they are through test flight, I can do that. So, but and I'd say app betas are maybe a different thing because. Typically, your app betas will be released through test flight and are therefore separate builds to the App Store one, so you can have the App Store release and uh, the beta. <laughs> you can't <laughs> I, run two OSs. Sh- well, okay, all right. Let me rephrase that. I'll, I'll, I'll retract my my caveat. If you have a Mac on the Mac side of things, if you have a you know a spare external drive or another internal drive, by all means, go and install the beta on a separate partition or a separate drive. You can't do that on iOS. All right. Look, this has been an absolutely fun recording. I have no idea how long this episode actually is going to be in total. Uh, I hope you've all had plenty of coffee, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. And again, welcome, Frasley, to the team. Frasley, it's been a pleasure to have you join. And as I do with all our guests, and you know, particularly team members, where, where can people find you online?
1: Well, um, obviously, you can find me on, on future Crosswire's um, podcasts and helping with, with with different things beyond the scenes, some different content. But you can also find me on, on Twitter at Frazlytastic and on Twitch at FrazzlyS. Just so you'll find me all over the place because I get around <laughs> all over Twitter and, and the internet.
0: Awesome. Uh, you can follow the podcast. Actually, you can follow me if you want to. I don't know why you'd want to. Do it! Uh, I'm JS Billsbury. B I L S B R O U G H on Twitter. I'm not really on other things. Of course, you can follow our podcast at MG on Twitter. You can find our YouTube channel at crosswires.net forward slash YouTube. Make sure you check out uh, the website itself at crosswires.net. All our episodes are there. And one thing I wanted to shout out as well is we are on Good Pods. If you are a Good Pods listener, it's such a great discoverability. Look, I have. You know, I'm a big fan of Overcast as well, but Overcast doesn't really have sort of uh community features. That's just not the type of app it is. But Good Pods has comments and you know and likes and stuff on, on every episode. I promise that if you leave a comment on one of our episodes, I will reply to it. Um I don't know of a way to share that access with Razzly at the moment, but hey, that's fine. Um we will respond to all comments on, on the posts. You can I think you have to be subscribed to Crosswire, you know, a sort of newsletter to be able to comment. I might be wrong on that, but please do comment. You can also email podcast at crosswires.net if you want to send us longer form. I should say, of course, you know, we do accept audio submissions. It's a bit of an interesting one because, of course, this isn't like an episodic show. So it might be that they don't get played back until a future episode. We might do like a listener feedback episode. I haven't quite decided how we're going to do that, but if you do want to send audio feedback, I'd love to hear your voice. And, of course, thank you ever so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, week, month, whatever period of time it is before you next listen and hear our wonderful voices. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.